0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's Word for you. How's everybody doing today? You're doing good. Awesome. Hey, you know things are happening in life. We're back in the swing of school for many of you. Your kids are back in the swing of school, all kinds of things like that. And I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us um, on Wednesdays. Thanks to those of you who are joining us via live stream. But you know, it says a lot. I know it takes a lot of time and effort and energy to get here. And so thank you so much. And I just commend you for, uh, Making church a priority in your life, and we know everybody 's schedule is different, and not everybody can make it, and things like that, but you know we just we so honor and value when people make church a priority and I say this all the time i 'm here today because my parents made church a priority, um, and my, my parents actually taught me to make my decisions around church, uh, not to based on what I'm doing at church, if if you will, instead of making decisions that then affect what I do at church. Does that make sense? So growing up as a teenager, um, I weighed decisions, even like sports, um, based on what did I feel was my call? What did I feel God wanted me to do? And maybe for your kids, that is sports, but just encouraging your kids to value and prioritize the local church. And it starts with you. So you being here today says a lot. So thank you so much. Um, We are in part two of this series called Holy Spirit. And uh, we're talking about who the Holy Spirit is, what He does and how we can actively engage with Him in our lives. And so last week, Pastor Dave gave an incredible message. Was anybody here for that? Uh, Yeah, awesome, awesome. If you you didn't catch it, go online. You can watch it online. But he talked about, about how the Holy Spirit is God. He talked about who the Holy Spirit is. And he talked about how the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, God in three persons. And he is to be honored and respected and treated as such. And I would say this, uh, you know, if you wouldn't say it about God the Father or God the Son, then probably don't say it about the Holy Spirit because he is God. And then he talked about how the Holy Spirit is a person and not just a power or influence. You know, sometimes we think of the Holy Spirit as some type of energy that's just out there or whatever that may be, but that's not the case. He is a person. The Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. He's a he, not an it. And here's what I really think is interesting is that a lot of Christians, probably I would say all Christians, believe in the Holy Spirit. But they struggle with the concept of what we're gonna talk about today, which is being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people have misinterpreted Scripture over the years. Um, A lot of times people have done or said things and said that the Holy Spirit told them to do it or even made them do it. Uh, and it is not accurate. And maybe they did or said things that misrepresented the Holy Spirit or even the scripture. And they did those things and said it was the Holy Spirit. And I think we have to be very careful about that. I think if we're gonna say that something is the Holy Spirit, then it better be in line with God's word. Um, and it better not be our will, it better be His. Um, it's easy to tell somebody that the Holy Spirit said when it's something that we just really wanted to do and we needed a way to do it. You know what I mean? Um, and so we're gonna, we're gonna do some things today and we're gonna look past some of these misconceptions. And, and maybe you've seen things, I'm gonna ask you these, I'm not gonna ask you this, but maybe you've seen two categories of things. Maybe you have seen people mischaracterize things as being the Holy Spirit when they were not. Or maybe you have seen things that the Holy Spirit did, but they weren't explained to you and it confused you. And what I'd like for us to do today is just to put down our preconceived notions and to put down um, our ideas and let's look at what God's word says about the Holy Spirit. Because after all, as Pastor Dave talked about the other day, the Holy Spirit is the one who inspired the Bible to be written. Uh, Authors, human authors wrote it, but they were under the inspiration and the direction of the Holy Spirit. So who better to learn about the Holy Spirit from than the one who inspired the word himself? So basically we're learning who he is from him today. Yeah, amen. So let's go ahead and let's pray. Uh, and then we're gonna dive into this. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you that the Holy Spirit is not just a force out there, but he is God. He is the third person of the Trinity and he is to be respected and honored as God. But God, what's so cool about the fact that you sent the Holy Spirit is now he lives on the inside of us, that he is with us at all times. And so we're thankful for that. God, today I pray that if there's anything that we have learned that is not what your word says about who your spirit is, that you would help us to unlearn that today and to learn what you say about who you really are. God, I pray that if there's any preconceived notions or any biases or or anything that says, I don't wanna learn about that or I'm not open to it, I pray that your your Holy Spirit would break down those walls today in Jesus' name. And God, we just come with open hearts and we just wanna learn what you say about who you are and how you operate. So God, help me to communicate it clearly in Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. So again, many people think that the Holy Spirit, some people even treat it as a taboo subject, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, It's funny to me that it's taboo now, uh, because in the early church, it was not taboo at all. In fact, it was very normal. And it's the only way that they accomplished what they accomplished. These people... uh, with definitely within a hundred years of Jesus's death, resurrection, and his ascension into heaven had changed the known world. They had brought the message of the gospel to the known world of the time, everywhere from Israel to Turkey, to Northern Africa, all the way to Spain and Rome and Italy. They had spread the gospel so far and they did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a taboo subject for them. And I believe it shouldn't be for the church today. And thank God that we're in a church where it's not a taboo subject, amen? So again, come receptive, read the scriptures, make your own decision based on God's word. So after Jesus rose from the dead, but before he ascended into heaven. So if you if you don't know the story, Jesus dies as was prophesied. He was the son of God, fully God, fully man. He dies, uh, he is killed on a cross, he is buried and he rises again on the third day and he spends some time on earth, but then he ascends to heaven. So in this gap from when he rises from the dead to when he goes to heaven, he begins to give some instructions to the disciples. And that's part of how we know that Christianity is true because Jesus did rise from the dead. Uh, There's a lot of historical evidence to support that. And so uh, we understand that our religion isn't like other religions because our God did not die and our leader did not die, but he's alive and we understand that our religion is not like a lot of other religions because our God gives us grace. He doesn't make us work for salvation. And so he's giving instructions to his disciples about how to spread this message. And he says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. And he's referring to the Holy Spirit. In fact, some translations say the promised Holy Spirit. And then he says, but stay in the city or Jerusalem until you have been clothed with power from on high. And I think that is such a cool statement, clothed with power from on high. And so the title of today's message is clothed clothed with power. And so I looked up that word that's translated as clothed. And if you look in other translations, it can also be endued with power. And if you look at the Greek word there, it's this word called "induo." And it means to sink into clothing, to put on or to clothe oneself. And that word is actually coming from two other words. One of them is a word that's really simple. It's N, and, and it means in, by, or with. And then you have the word do know, which is to go under, to be plunged into, or to sink into. So you see this picture of sinking into a garment. And if you dig a little deeper, you even see this picture of being plunged. And that sounds a lot like baptism to me. In fact, in Matthew 3, verse 11, John the Baptist was speaking about Jesus. And he said, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. Have you ever carried somebody's sandals besides your own kid? It's kind of gross. You know what I'm saying? So you can get the picture there. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So we see here in the Bible that John the Baptist is prophesying the baptism of the Holy Spirit before it happens. Not only that, Jesus is doing the same thing in the previous scripture when he's saying stay here until you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, basically. And then in Joel chapter 2 in the Old Testament, the prophet Joel, he actually also does the same thing. He prophesies the baptism of the Holy Spirit when he says, in the last days, basically, I'll pour out my spirit upon all men. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. It goes on and it goes on. So anytime someone is baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're seeing prophecy be fulfilled. That this isn't some idea that somebody came up with. This isn't something somebody had pizza the night before, had a weird dream and thought, this is great and made it up. This is prophecy from ancient days being fulfilled in our midst. So I think really the question is, if we know that this is called baptism in the Holy Spirit, I think the big question is, what does the word baptism really mean? And the Greek word there is baptizo, and it means to dip repeatedly, to immerse and to overwhelm. Now, this is different than just being dipped into something. The Greek word for that is bapto. So there's two different words. One means dip repeatedly, immerse. And I love that phrase to overwhelm. And I don't see that in the sense of like, I'm overwhelmed with stress. I see it in the sense of overwhelming peace, God's overwhelming love, God's overwhelming power. And I came across this example uh, as I was studying for this message about the difference between these words. And I, I mean, it just really, it really sank into me and it really jumped out at me. It says this, it says this word, baptizo, should not be confused with the word bapto or just dipped. The clearest example shows the meaning of baptizo is a text from the Greek poet that shows, sorry, the clearest example that shows the meaning of baptizo is a text from the Greek poet and physician, Nicander, who lived about 200 BC. It's a recipe, this is where it gets really fun, for making pickles and is helpful because it uses both words. Nicander says that in order to make a pickle, the vegetable should first be dipped, bapto, into boiling water, and then baptized, baptizo, into the vinegar solution. Both verbs concern the immersing of vegetables in a solution, but the first is temporary. The second act of baptizing the vegetable produces a permanent change. You know, if you dipped that pickle into boiling water, this is the best illustration ever. Thank you, so-and-so in 200 BC. If you dip that pickle into water and you brought it out, it would still look like a pickle. I mean, a cucumber. Now I'm all confused. But if you actually let it sit in the solution, it begins to change even the way it looks. It looks similar, but it looks different. And it also tastes different. This is what I wrote down. You can't unpickle a pickle and turn it into a cucumber. It may look somewhat similar, but it's got a totally different flavor now. In the same way, once you're saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit, your life has a totally different flavor. Yeah. And you may look somewhat similar, but everything about you is different. And I wanna say this to you today. Um, you may also have run from God and maybe you were walking with the Lord and maybe you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you've run from God. But there's something on the inside of you that knows that your life is still different. And sin still, sin's just not as fun as it used to be anymore. And there's a conviction that sits on the inside of you these days because there was a change that was made to you that can't be undone. And what I think of it as is this. this is, you're going to have to go with me. I used to work in junior high ministry, so go with this example. If you took a pickle, if you took a cucumber and put it on a salad, it tastes awesome. But if you weren't thinking and you grabbed a pickle instead of a cucumber and you put it on a salad, some of y'all do those weird sweet pickles, but they're gross, those little baby ones. But if you took like a regular pickle, a sour pickle, you cut it and put it on a salad, it wouldn't taste right. It might almost look right, but it wouldn't taste right. And I think for some of us, maybe we've run from God and it almost looks right on the surface. People say, oh yeah, they're cool and they're doing what I do, but something in you says it doesn't taste right. It doesn't feel right. And I think the beautiful thing is that you can come back today. So baptism means that we've been forever changed, but, and that our lives will never be the same. But my question, next question would be, I know what baptism is, but what kind of baptisms are there? Because we hear about being water baptized and we hear about baptism in the Holy Spirit. So how many kinds of baptism are there? So there are three different kinds, distinct kinds of baptism in the Bible. Number one is baptism into the body of Christ. This is your salvation experience. In Galatians 3, verses 26 through 27, in the NIV, it says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have, see that word again, clothed yourselves with Christ. It's cool that they're combined again together. And God's word is very clear that this type of baptism is by grace, through faith. You cannot earn or buy this gift. There's nothing you can do. As we said, that's what separates the message of Jesus Christ from any other religion is that we don't earn it through our works. We receive it by his grace and by his goodness. And it's not a physical baptism, but it's a spiritual thing. And when you are baptized into Christ, when you are clothed in Christ Jesus, what that, what that means is that you're a different person than who you used to be. Your spirit man is different. All the things that you did in the past are washed away. And really, you're covered with the righteousness or the goodness of Jesus that when God looks at you, he doesn't see your past. He doesn't see your mistakes, but he clothes you in his righteousness. And I was uh, thinking about this today and I really feel the Lord dropped it on my heart for right now. I didn't get the second half of it until now. But I would say in that vein of being clothed, that regret and your past mistakes don't look good on you. Yeah. But the righteousness of Jesus Christ is what looks good on you. So clothe yourself in his goodness and what he did for you. So the second type of baptism is water baptism. And this is a public declaration that you've become a follower of Jesus. All it is, is it's an outward expression of an inward change. And many people have been taught that it is what they need to be saved. There is no scriptural basis for that. In fact, Pastor Don says this all the time, Jesus, and it's really funny when you break it down, uh, Jesus is on the cross The thief next to him says, basically asks him to save him. And he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. He doesn't say, somebody get this guy down and baptize him right now so he can go to paradise. But we believe and we know that baptism by water is not what saves us. It is an outward expression of an inward change. Acts 2.41 says, those who accepted his message were baptized, about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's a big baptism, Water baptism doesn't save you, it's a symbol. It's a declaration that you're following Jesus. Is it important? Absolutely. I believe it's really important because Jesus talked about acknowledging him before people. He talked about being bold about your faith and he talked about not denying him before people. But do we believe that it is required for salvation? No, but I do believe it's also a reminder for us. When I go under that water and I come out, I know my life is not the, cha- not the same. I know I've made a public declaration. And I believe it kind of serves as a memorial for us. If we ever want to go back, we know that we're changed. And the third and last type of baptism is baptism in the Holy Spirit. And this is when you receive power from the Holy Spirit. It says this in Acts 8, verses 14 through 17. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So you see, they were already saved. And it says, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, and they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So these people have experienced the first two baptisms. They're saved and they have been baptized in water in the name of Jesus. And so it says, then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. You can be saved and not have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a free gift, just like salvation. But what we're going to learn in a minute is why it's so important to your life as a believer. And I believe it's really an amazing gift. And once you hear about it, if you don't have it, I believe you're going to want it. So you must be baptized into the body of Christ, the first baptism, in order to have the other two baptisms. However, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit before being baptized in water. And there's scriptural basis for that in Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48, Peter, he goes to this guy named Cornelius' house and he's preaching the gospel to them. While he's preaching, people just receive the Holy Spirit and begin speaking in other tongues. That was like, come on, let me finish, you know? But he's not even doing anything. He's not laying hands on anybody. Nothing's happening. They have not been baptized. In fact, right after that, they see that they've received the Holy Spirit. Obviously they've been saved. And then they say, let's baptize them in water now. So there's scriptural basis for that. And then there's more evidence there and you can check that out. In John 20, verse 22, Jesus breathes on the disciples and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. If you remember last week, Pastor Dave talked about how the Holy Spirit, the the word for spirit in the Bible really means breath. And I believe that at that moment, when Jesus breathed on the disciples, they did receive the Holy Spirit. In Luke 24, 49, he instructs them to stay instructs them to stay there until they're clothed with power. So I believe they had the Holy Spirit living inside of them, but they haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then the other example we just talked about, Acts 10, verses 44 through 48. So there's these three distinct baptisms. Number one, it's baptism into the body of Christ, salvation. That's a spiritual act. Number two, there is water baptism, an outward symbol of an inward change. And then number three, there's baptism in the Holy Spirit. You have to have the first one first, baptism into the body of Christ. The other two, you don't really have to have those in order. So the next question for me, if I'm thinking, what do I want to know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit before I actually dive into this? Because we do live in the United States and everybody wants to know what they're getting into. You ever had somebody offer you something for free and you just say, well, what's the catch, Right. So let's talk about the purpose of this baptism. And Pastor Dave talked about that in detail last week. I want to talk about some other elements of it as well. I believe the number one purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is witnessing. The number one purpose. Let me read Luke 24, 45 through 49 to you. Jesus is talking, again, this is between his resurrection and his ascension back into heaven it says, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah, he's talking about himself, will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. He's saying, you're going to preach these things. And then he says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, the Holy Spirit, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Can I say this? Jesus didn't say, go start ministering out in all the world, and then you'll be clothed with power from on high from the Holy Spirit. He said, stay in the city until you're clothed with power. I believe that that is evidence of the fact that not just is witnessing the most important thing that we could do, but number two, it's evidence of the fact that if you want to be as effective as possible at witnessing, you need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. The primary purpose of signs and wonders and miracles is to witness to the world around us. It says in Acts 4.13, the apostles 14, 13, I'm sorry. The apostles stayed there a long time preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord and the Lord proved their message was true by giving them the power to do miraculous signs and wonders. It doesn't say that they did miraculous signs and wonders just to do them. It says the Lord proved that their message was true by giving them the power to do that. And I wrote this down today and I just want to share it with you It's a pretty strong statement, so bear with me on this, but I believe it's true according to scripture. God didn't give us the Holy Spirit's power just so that we could have great services where we see miracles and wonders. We love that and we do that, but that's not the primary purpose of his power. His power is for reaching the world around us. His power is for reaching this city, this state, this nation, this world. And here's the rest of what I wrote down. I'd hate to steward the baptism of the Holy Spirit improperly, only using it for myself and for other believers, only to realize at the end of my life, how many people could have been saved by his power. Amen. You know, I believe that when the Holy Spirit drops in your heart to pray some, for somebody in the grocery store, that is every bit as holy as being in a service and experiencing his power and his presence. And I would so much, honestly, rather learn about how to experience his presence, how to hear his voice here in a service, and then go out and help other people by hearing his voice and by walking in his power, than just sit in services and continue to experience it but not give it to anybody else. And I've noticed that when I take time to pray, when I take time to spend time with the Holy Spirit, without the intention necessarily of going out and ministering to other people, I begin to see people differently at the grocery store. I begin to see people differently at the coffee shop. I begin to see needs and want to meet them. I begin to wanna pray for people. My outlook changes the closer I get to the Holy Spirit, not just what I see for me and for the people that sit next to me at church, but what I see for the people outside of here. And I love this quote, Raymond T. Ritchie said, divine healing, which is a sign or a miracle or a wonder, is the dinner bell. Keep ringing that bell and people will come. That Jesus went about doing good and he went about healing people, but he was pointing them to salvation. He wasn't just doing good to do good. He was doing good because God loves people and it's God's will that no one should perish. So he was gonna help them get there. The second reason I believe that we should be filled with the Holy Spirit is for wisdom. In Colossians 1, nine, it says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. You need friends like that, by the way. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that he gives, the spirit gives. The Holy Spirit reveals what we should do And the Holy Spirit reveals what we should not do. If you want to see evidence of that, you can read those scriptures right there. But the Holy Spirit will tell you what to do, what not to do. He'll tell you whether it's a good decision or a bad decision, whether it's in business, whether it's in your family, whether it's something morally, whatever that may be. The Holy Spirit gives us the right words when we need them. Also, the Holy Spirit will tell you those are the wrong words when you need to hear that. I feel like that's most of his talking to me, like, don't, 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 don't say that. (laughs) I'm just trying to help you right now. And here's the last thing, the Holy Spirit's wisdom is always in agreement with his word. If the Holy Spirit inspired his word, do you think he's gonna contradict it? Not if he's God, not if he's telling the truth. If somebody tells you the Holy Spirit said, and it is not in line with the word of God, that is the easiest, thing you can ever discern right there. You can just look at it and say, sorry. (laughs) You maybe should be nice to him and just say, hey, appreciate that. And then just walk away and go, I know that's not what the word says. Number three, power. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. How do you have this hope that overflows? By the power of the Holy Spirit, Romans 15, 13. And Galatians 5, 16 says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The Holy Spirit empowers me to walk out the life God has for me. You can't do this without the Holy Spirit. Put another way. You cannot have joy. You cannot have hope. You cannot walk in peace. You cannot walk in integrity without the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life that he is guiding you, telling you what to do, what not to do, what to say, what not to say. He is not controlling. You will never see the Holy Spirit tell you, you better do this, but he will very firmly say, I'm telling you, you should do this, and here's why. He's not controlling, he's not gonna make you do it, but he's gonna tell you what the best path for your life is. And you can't do it without his power. The Bible says it is God who works in you, both to give you the desire and the power to do his will. Number four is relationship. And this scripture, Ephesians one seventeen says, I keep asking that, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Wisdom and revelation about the things of God are not for the purpose of storing them in our minds, but for the purpose of getting to know God better. When we get to know God better, then our hearts are transformed, then our lives are transformed, and then we lead other people to know Jesus as well. The Holy Spirit helps me get closer to God and the Holy Spirit walks through life alongside me. So we've talked about what baptism is. We've talked about the scriptural basis for the fact that baptism in the Holy Spirit exists. We talked about why we should be baptized in the Holy Spirit so that we can walk in His power, walk in His wisdom, so that we can have relationship with Him. And the last question really is, how do I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? So number one, you got to remove all barriers. The first and most important barrier is salvation. You must be saved to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 2.38, it says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You have to be saved to receive this. The other thing is maybe there's some barriers of doubt and unbelief. And I challenge you, ask God to remove those barriers from you. Maybe there's some barriers of some sins you've been hanging on to. And I challenge you to ask God to take those things and really you have to give them to him. He won't take them. Number two is request the gift of the Holy Spirit. Realize that baptism in the Holy Spirit is a free gift and ask God for it. Acts two thirty-eight thirty-nine 39 says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is finishing what we just saw Peter say. He said, repent and be baptized. And then he said, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit or then you will. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. John eleven thirteen 13 says, if you then who are evil, Jesus is pretty stern right there, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Pause right there. That's before the Holy Spirit has been poured out. Jesus is again prophesying it and he's saying it is a gift. And it's a gift given by a perfect father who loves you. Number three is receive him by faith. Believe that God will give the gift to you. And here's what we have to do. We have to understand the gift is not based on your works, but it's based on God's goodness. You don't receive the Holy Spirit by trying hard enough. You receive it by faith. And I wanna, I wanna just stop here really quick. If Hebrews 11:6, six, we're not gonna read all of that. It says without faith, it's impossible to please God. I remember when I was uh, maybe nine, uh, maybe 10, I was in a worship service. Again, this is why it's so important to bring your kids to church. I'm in a worship service. Uh, it's a worship night or something like that. And they began praying for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I really, 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 really wanted to receive the gifts of tongues. Uh, and Pastor Don's gonna cover that in greater detail in a few weeks. And I think you'll really enjoy that. But I really wanted to receive the gift. Uh, and I I don't know, I, there was something, I don't know what it was, but I just kind of wasn't experiencing what I wanted to experience. But I'll tell you what I did feel as a kid, I felt like I got to try harder. I remember my little nine-year-old brain, I was crying. I was like, ugh, I wanted that gift so bad. And I remember my mom, uh, she leaned over to me and she said, I feel like the Lord wants you to know that he's just pleased that you want this gift. And my brain was thinking, I've got to work hard and what's happening and all that stuff. And, And really I was, actually experiencing the gift somewhat, but I didn't really understand it. But she just said, I feel like you want, I feel like the Lord wants you to know that that God is pleased that you want the gift. You know, that shaped my theology, really. It shaped my view of God because I realized that God was trying to give me gifts and he was pleased about my desire to have them. That God sometimes is not looking at you and going, wow, you really should have done better than that. But he's saying, I see your heart there and I see what you were looking for. And I believe that that this, the encounter with the Holy Spirit shapes our view of who God is. As the Holy Spirit speaks to us in conjunction with his word, we see these two things together and we understand who God is in a greater capacity. And really what you'll understand is the goodness and the faithfulness of God in a greater capacity. You may be making a mistake right now. And the Holy Spirit tonight, when you leave, may prompt you and say, you've got to stop. And you'll go, oh my gosh, in the middle of what I was doing, that was either a bad idea, not immoral, but just a bad idea, or immoral and wrong. God's grace was good enough that the Holy Spirit spoke to me. God loves to give grace. The fourth thing is relate to him daily. If you want to know the Holy Spirit's voice, spend time with him through prayer, through worship, and really most importantly, through the word. If you want to know how he speaks, Read what he already wrote. Ephesians 5, 18 to 20 talks about building each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. You wanna keep your family safe? You wanna keep your walk with God safe? You wanna keep your marriage safe? Pray in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 18 says, I thank God, this is Paul talking, that I speak in tongues more than any of you. And this is where people get hung up. Pastor Don is gonna talk about this in a few weeks, like I said, but I will say this, it's an incredible gift. And if you learn what it really is and not what people have said it is, or what you may have thought it is, or what you may have heard, you're gonna want it. Um, I can't tell you how many times it's benefited me in my life. Speaking in tongues is for the purpose of getting to know God in a greater way. And for the purpose of building yourself up in your faith and praying God's perfect will, it's a gift that's available to every believer. I'm going to give you just a few things really quick. Misconceptions about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Number one, the gift of tongues is only for some people. That's not true. The gift of tongues is for everyone to receive. Um, In fact, the scripture talks about earnestly desiring all of the gifts. Why would Paul say, earnestly desire all the gifts if they're not available to you. That really doesn't make sense. It's kind of just hope for something that's never gonna be yours. The other thing is, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a really touchy one that's really hard. But sometimes people get prayed for and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, but maybe they haven't gotten a prayer language yet, as we would say. And maybe that's gonna come in the future. I would say this though, don't just say, I'm just not gonna get it. You need it, you want it. The other thing is you must have hands laid on you to receive the Holy Spirit. Some people believe that. As you see in Acts chapter 10, nobody touched those people in that household. The guy was preaching and it happened. And so it doesn't always have to happen that way. It does some in scripture, but I think God was really clever because he said, I'm not gonna make this happen the same way every time. I'm gonna switch it up so you can't make a routine and a religion out of it, but so you'll know that it was me. And I think that's really, really smart. Uh, God's pretty smart, if you didn't know that. So you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit whenever and wherever. It's possible to do that. You don't have to have somebody there to pray for you, to lay hands on you. You can just receive the gift by faith because God's that good. And we want to give you the chance to receive the Holy Spirit today. But first, we want to give you the chance to complete the first step. And that is baptism into the body of Christ or receiving Jesus as your Lord, which means he directs your life and as your savior, which means he saves you from your sins and your mistakes. And this is so important because the beautiful thing is that Jesus doesn't just look at us and say, hopefully you'll be able to make it. He takes our mess ups. He takes our failures on himself. And he says, I already paid for that 2000 years ago on a cross. It's all taken care of. You may think you're not good enough to receive that, but it's only by His grace. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes today. Ephesians 2.8 says that salvation is a gift from God. You can't earn it. You can't take credit for it. You just have to humble yourself, ask God for forgiveness, and receive His gift of salvation right now. If that's you today... Again, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. The only people looking around are just people who are maybe getting some numbers of who has raised their hands. I'll be looking around because I want to see who I'm praying with. But if that's you today and you say, I don't understand it all, hey, that's okay. But you say, I don't know. There's something tugging on my heart and I just want to be a part of this. Can I tell you that's the Holy Spirit? Would you raise your hand today if you want to receive the gift of salvation for the very first time? Thank you, sir, in the back. Thank you there in the back. Anybody else today? be bold, be brave. Thank you over here. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you in the back. Anybody else today? I encourage you, don't miss this opportunity. Is there anybody else today? Maybe you would say, God's been working on my heart. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you would say, I've walked this life. I have been a Christian. Uh, I have served the Lord. I've even been filled with the Holy Spirit, been baptized with water. But I have strayed away and I've walked away. Maybe you got distracted by life. Maybe you became angry with God. Maybe you just wanted to do things your way. Maybe you're here today and you feel like you're not worthy and God wouldn't take you back. That's a lie. God loves you. He sees you as righteous and he wants you to just come home to him. You don't have to pay for it. It's already been done. If you're here today and you would say, I used to serve Jesus, but I want to recommit and rededicate my life because I have gone away from him. Would you raise your hand? Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your boldness. We appreciate that. Proud of you. And if you're here today and... uh you would want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We'll get to that in just a moment. But here's what I want to do first. I want you to pray after me. I want you to repeat this after me. I want you to believe it in your heart. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. It doesn't say if you jump through hoops and earn it. It doesn't say if you come to church. However many amount of times it says, if you believe with your heart, confess with your mouth. So let's pray this together today, full of faith. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God, the savior of the world. I believe that you died to take care of my sin. I believe that you rose again to give me victory. And I believe that you're in heaven. So right now, I ask you, forgive me of everything I've done wrong. Save me and make me like you. I choose to follow you wherever you say to go, whatever you say to do. I'll never be the same in Jesus name. Amen. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So last thing I want to do, I want to make this really quick. If you would bow your heads one more time. Everybody just heads bowed, eyes closed. Uh, I'd like to do this briefly. Uh, I encourage you, if you raise your hand for this, to come up at the end of service. We'd love to pray with you. But what I'm going to do is just kind of a group thing, and then I'd love for you to come up at the end. If you're here today and you would say, I have heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Either I was a little worried about it, didn't know enough about it, or heard the wrong thing about it. But today, I would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Again, I'm going to say, you don't have to understand everything, but I think it's pretty clear. And you don't have to believe what we say. Believe what the Bible says. If you're here today and you'd like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, nobody's looking around. Would you raise your hand and just be bold if that's you? Thank you. Man, that's awesome. That's a lot of people. Proud of you. Anybody else today? Here's what I'm going to do. Thank you. Thank you. I'm proud of you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray over you real quick, but then I just want you to come to the front and we'd like to pray with you. But you can receive this right now or you can receive it when you come to the front. But Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you're not spooky or weird, but you are our best friend. And Holy Spirit, we just thank you that right now you are filling these people up. Those that raise their hands, I thank you that they're receiving you by faith, that they are being baptized in the Holy Spirit's power, in his presence, in his goodness right now in the name of Jesus that barriers of fear and worry and doubt or misconceptions would fall and that they would fall in love with the goodness of the Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Awesome. Can we give one more round of applause for those who just did that? That's awesome. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.